Yeah, All right. Welcome back to Integrity Performance. Bringing integrity back to the fitness industry. Our typical sign-on. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about breaking plateaus in strength, in stability, in weight loss, in weight gain, in anything. Like I feel like we plateau our motivation. We don't want to go to work anymore. We... Like, just anything. Like, I feel like we hit plateaus in life, regardless of if it's exercise or it's education or whatever. And we want to talk about getting through those, be it through programming or through, I don't know, any kind of other help or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, what do you got? Or where do you want to start? No, <laughs> whatever. Fitness, so we strength, had, weight loss? Let's, like, I think a huge problem is people, like, you go to the gym and you just do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, people just do things because they see on Instagram or Pinterest or whatever else. And so they just go do a bunch of stuff without any organization, without having a program, without having a plan. And then they get stuck. Nothing changes. They get tired of exercising. So, like, where do you start with somebody who comes to you and says, "I, I can't lose weight? Or my body's not changing. Or I'm tired of my program. Or whatever else. They're frustrated. Well, first of all... I basically just start off with like, okay, what have you been doing? Like, what is your programming consisting of? How much sleep are you getting? Like, what's your recovery process? That that plays a pretty big role in almost everything. And when I look at it from like a strength conditioning perspective, I usually go your volume and your load, your intensity, your frequency. It's probably all relatively the same and probably has been for maybe about a couple months. And... Uh, I usually go into the idea of something called the law of accommodation in biology, which and this goes for nature as well as and also anatomy, physiology, stuff like that. If you continue to do the same thing over and over and over and over again, yes, you will start to get a progression after about maybe four to six weeks, but after about that four to six weeks time span is up, you're basically regressing because you're getting the same stimulus over and over and over again. Your body adapts to that and says, okay, we need to expend this much energy for this movement, for this many reps with this load, and that's it. Your body just says, okay, I know this. Yeah, it just becomes efficient. Yeah, it just exactly. stops adapting. There's yeah. no reason to adapt. You're doing the same shit over and over and over and over again. There's no yeah. reason to change. Yeah. Right? So, like, programming. Like, in your mind, you're a huge programming. Mm-hmm. Like, you're all programming. Yeah. Right? So, you go back to the drawing board, and you say, we reprogram. Yes. Right, so do you like? I feel like when I'm training, I have like ten exercises mm-hmm. that like I go to for a lot of people, and you yeah. either progress or regress, or you change volume, or you. Ch- I'm huge on changing tempo. Yeah. So like, I'll spend a lot of time on like three to five second eccentrics, mm-hmm. or like pauses, or just stops mid rep, mm-hmm. or whatever else, just for control. But like, as I'm like, I thought about it today, I've I've really gone way more simplistic in my programming. Mm-hmm. And just take these 10 to 15 things and create variations and get so good at those things. Mm-hmm. And you see these progressions. And it's not like you need a billion different exercises. No. Like I, like I said, mm-hmm. I think I've got 10 to 15 exercises. I think I might I don't have. do a ton. But I think that that's enough. Mm-hmm. And if you're changing the tempo, I mean, that is cycling through a different stimulus, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, so just change your stimulus. Or like higher repetitions or um, more load, less repetitions. So let's get like, give your input on someone's like max recoverable volume. Because I think there's so many people that go to the gym and they just annihilate themselves. Mm -hmm. Like you've got these guys who are like, oh, I did like 20 20 sets of bench press. I'm like, congratulations. Like you're not going to be able to move your shoulders for a week. You're going to be so freaking sore. Like, did you really create a good adaptation by just mm-hmm. annihilating this ridiculous volume? Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's one reason that I almost never do just strictly a pressing workout and a pulling workout different portions of the week. Like, I always do upper body press and pull same day in the week, and then I do it again other than other time. Because if you're, if you're going for 20 freaking plus sets on lap pull downs or something like that, then yeah, you're, there's a point in time where your body can no longer recover from that. Like at what point are we hitting this point of diminishing return? Mm-hmm. And that would be fairly quickly if you're just doing if you're just over and over and over yourself. again. Yeah. So you've got these guys who go to the gym and spend like three hours working out. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you're doing it wrong. Like <laughs> I, I go in for like 45 minutes and like yeah. do my activations, run my warm ups, yeah. and like go lift. Like, 
I don't need to spend an two, three hours, like, destroying myself. Yeah, I do, just because it takes me an hour to squat. <laughs> oh, yeah, you take forever to do that. I'm on my phone the whole time. Yeah, we're just chilling. Yeah. But, yeah, like, this this idea of max recoverable volume. So, like, I've got guys, or, like, for me personally, if I go, and if I'm trying to, like, increase my deadlift, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to do, like, 15 sets on Monday. No. I might do three to five Monday and then another couple, maybe three to five on two Wednesday and then another yeah. three to five sets on Friday. And then I've accumulated 18 to 20 sets throughout the week mm-hmm. and I've got really good technique work and my volume is higher than if I went in and just destroyed myself on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I think I've got more volume, more work, more time on the bar. And all of a sudden I see increases because I'm able to recover from that workout mm-hmm. And then hit more volume later in the week. I think personally for me, it would be like a deload weeks. That's been one of the best yeah. things I've used personally in my program that's kept me from hitting plateaus is taking about maybe a four-week time span, one meso cycle of your training and hitting it pretty hard for about that four weeks. And then that fifth week, you just bring the load down, bring the volume down, focus on your technique a little bit more. Well, not that you should really not focus on your technique through that four-week training cycle, but let your body actually recover from everything it's doing. If you're continually beating the piss out of it, it's just going to start regressing. I think it also depends on what your goal is. Mm -hmm. Like if your goal is to gain strength, I think that your model is probably the best, Travis, where you're spanning it out within, like you're doing 18 repetitions across like five days. Right, you space it out. Versus just like one day. Well, and I see so much like, and, but there's and, difference in um, building strength or building endurance. A hundred percent. Or mm-hmm. building muscle. Like your programming is going to be different depending on your goal. A hundred percent. But if once you, once you get a plateau, I always think that there's a deeper underlying issue whenever you whenever somebody hits a plateau. It's either a mental like a mental block, and they just aren't looking forward to it anymore. It's very mundane. They just go in like a robot do it and leave i think that's become almost what fitness is anymore yeah you, you do it because you're supposed to yeah and so you go in and just do a bunch of crap instead yeah. of like keeping it interesting and looking forward like everyone starts out super strong and they have like newbie gains because oh, they yeah. go in super motivated mm-hmm. they're excited and then the excitement wears off and you're just going through the motions well um, then your abilities don't change yeah. like your body doesn't change your strength doesn't increase your mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to reach for doesn't take place yeah. and either that or uh, it could be hormonal so if you have outside stressors in your life if you're not sleeping well then your body could like have an increase in cortisol mm-hmm. and yeah. cause you to um, retain weight well, and that's one of the things like I really wanted to get into is like, oh, you could have this masterful program, but if you're super stressed out, mm-hmm. yeah, like you're probably not going to change. Or if like, you're, if you're in not- your head so much about it, like I need to, I've worked with so many clients that they get in their head so much about losing weight and they're really hard on themselves and they're not losing weight because they're so stressed. And then it's a cycle. They get stressed, then they overeat. They give yes. up, they get discouraged, and it's just like, just lighten up. You know, this is supposed to be a lifestyle change. It's not a rush to a goal. Because once you hit your goal, guess what? In There's order to maintain, one. in order to maintain that, you need to continue doing what you're doing, what right. you did to get there. Right. And it was hard to get there so, to begin with. Yeah. And so that's an awesome point. Like, and everything we always talk about, like doing this for wellness and mm-hmm. doing this for health and doing this to be better. Not to like pick a three month goal and like hit it because mm-hmm. you're gonna destroy yourself trying to do this for three months, yeah, and then you're gonna burn yourself out. But like to to have the right goal to be healthy and to be well and to have this be something you can do forever, I think it's an awesome point because you're not gonna stress yourself out, you're not gonna try to overdo it and hit this like burnout after 90 days, mm-hmm. like you're gonna do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Like you work out three times a week or four times a week instead of seven. Now you take ample recovery like you're talking about like you can take time to think about your recovery and your nutrition and whatever else and i think it takes a huge amount of self-actualization yeah mm -hmm. i think plateaus for athletes is way different than plateaus for the average weight loss client oh absolutely oh i think you're probably you know so we need to i don't know i mean we can talk about both but for like the average 
person, it's super important to find things that you enjoy doing. Right. It, there, it's not a one size fits all. Fitness is not a one size fits all. So it's, you can do weights, yoga. You can have like a mixture of all these different exercises. You know, you don't oh, have to sure. go in and annihilate weights and it's, uh, I don't know. You can have variety in your schedule. Oh, 100%. And I think that that works best for, for everybody that I've worked with that has had long-term success. Oh, yeah. you got to find something they enjoy. The best program is the one you can stick to. Mm-hmm. And if you hate it, you're never going to stick to it. And I think, mm-hmm. like, so let's even talking about, like, athlete plateaus or, like, a typical weight loss client plateau or even, like, a strength goal, whatever – like, I still want to and argue me, but I still want to just call it, like, self-actualization. Like, mm-hmm. do you want it that bad? And if not, then that's okay. But, like, re- like, are you hitting a plateau because you just don't want it as bad as you pretended to or you thought you did? And, like, what sacrifices are you making? What are you willing to give up to, to hit that goal? Or maybe just change your goal. Like, really, mm-hmm. what, like, what do you actually want? Mm-hmm. Like, so my dad, he's been trying to lose weight for a while. And he's lost like forty pounds recently. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, I just, I just stopped eating ice cream. Like, he's like, I just realized, like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to do all this extra stuff. I just need to stop eating sugar. Mm-hmm. And so he did. Like, he finally looked in the mirror and was like, okay, this is the problem. I just need to stop doing that. So he gave that up, and he's like, he's lost a ridiculous amount of weight. But it's like he just had to look in the mirror and say, I want to lose weight more than I want to eat bad food. Mm-hmm. And so he just did it. Like, I feel like there's so much of this, like, I hate when clients come in, like, oh, I can't lose any weight. I'm like, stop eating shitty. Well, that's hard because this, this. And I'm like, no, you don't want to lose bad, you don't want to lose the weight as bad as you want to eat the food. Mm. Like, that's okay. Like, it's, And it's yeah. totally okay to eat shitty food and work out. That's what I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's my whole life. I, <laughs> you know, and it's super important to have breaks also. So going back to uh, the mental block and are you doing something that you really enjoy doing? You can have a, a month or a period of time, period of months, where you're killing it in the gym, you're going regularly, and then you start hitting plateaus. And it, I think then it's important to self-realize that and to maybe switch up your routine, like maybe do a different modality for a little bit, like yoga for a little bit or cut back on the weightlifting. So I think that your body can hold cortisol too, just from boredom. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking personally. (laughs) Being bored. And it, it, it doesn't put you in the right mental space to continue to achieve goals. Well, and there's a lot of research that shows a huge cortisol increase from exercise is a stress like you're stressing your body and like these super long workouts do increase cortisol levels as you're stressing your body over time so like realistically you're probably taking steps backwards as you go into the gym for two or three hours Mm -hmm. like you're accumulating this massive cortisol level that's inhibiting your body's ability to use fat and inhibiting protein synthesis and Mm -hmm. and creating this increase in body fat and decrease in muscle tissue so it's like if you need to be in the gym working out for three hours, like maybe reassess your goal. Like, mm. I think everything scientific aside, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to perhaps go through like a plateau you've had before, a plateau you've had before, and try to give an example of how you got through that plateau. Um, Amy, go ahead. Because I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm <laughs> thinking about mine. Yeah, because I I know, but I got to think about it a minute. Mm-hmm. I think the most recent plateau that I've been through is, and I'm sure that you guys can relate, I teach Pilates, so I never want to do Pilates myself. That's fair. And mm. it, so it, for me, it's not progress-based plateau. It's more of like a mental motivation plateau, and I haven't even wanted to really work out since COVID, uh, since the stay-home order. Yeah. And I didn't know if it was, so I was, I was teaching online classes through the stay home order and you would have to do the exercises with the, with the people. So I was doing four classes like a day or so (laughs) of my own workouts. And it was really hard to act like my body wasn't killing me. So I don't know if it's from coming out of that and I just needed to rest or 
I don't know. That's kind of, I mean, I, I don't really have a solution to it right now. I'm sort of coming out of it now. Mm-hmm. But. That's a pretty, I'd say COVID, that's a pretty drastic example for everybody. Yeah. It's like, it's just one of those things like, well, shit, it just kind of screwed everyone yeah. up. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's a chance to look at, like, you do hit a mental plateau. Yeah. Like, you very much mm-hmm. lost motivation. I would consider that a plateau. It doesn't have to be in weights or weight loss yeah. or weight gain or whatever else. But, like, you have hit a plateau. And so, like, how do we change mentality to get out of that? Because, like, even with working out, like, most days I start my workout, like, I don't really want to. Like, oh, like I ha- like if I'm not with somebody, I'm probably not going to do much. It's hard, too, when, I'm, when you don't have a goal. I don't really have a goal right now, a fitness or health goal. I, I'm just doing it because it's something that I should do. <laughs> so you're just, just doing staying it. well. It's your lifestyle. But I That's think a do. lot of people can relate to that. It's probably. Like I do it because I. it's something I should do, but... It's not something I'm working towards. It's a lot harder to go. Mm-hmm. Like it's like we brought up last week, like brushing your teeth at this point. It's like you do it because yeah. you have to. It's not like you have a goal outside of not having teeth fall out of your head. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like, it's just one of those things that you have to do. I guess I've had, I've had a kind of a diet plateau also experience with that. <laughs> Not yes. recently. <laughs> I was going to say that. Was awesome. I mean, I, my diet is not is the best. Awesome. But I'm not talking about that one. Uh, <laughs> so I do bodybuilding shows, which Travis loves. Uh, <laughs> so I do those. And I really like the competing part of it. So, but during the prep, it's like a four-month process. And you're constantly dieting, recording, and weighing yourself almost every single day I did and I would get really frustrated because some days some weeks I wouldn't lose any weight and some weeks I would just lose a pound but and that's where a lot of people fall off track and I kept with it I kept going if I didn't have a coach I would have probably definitely got frustrated and just quit but I kept with it kept going and those little small increments add up over time they really do and plus you have to think that if you're burning the uh, candle at both ends building muscle and losing weight the scale isn't really going to budge that much because you're Mm -hmm. they're two different you're just going through a recomposition in your body yeah you're not necessarily yeah that makes sense yeah it sounds freaking exhausting (laughs) as well as i i really i like the structure yeah and I heard this quote that says, if you're awesome at one thing, you're awesome at everything. Or maybe if you do one thing awesome, mm-hmm. one task awesome, awesome, like make your bed or something, you do everything awesome throughout the day. And I definitely feel like whenever I'm in prep and have that structure in my life, everything else has structure and purpose. And so for you, it's and like- I excel. So for me, it's more, I really like the structure and I really like the self-discipline and I really like competing it's a hundred percent for you a mentality Mm. yeah like when you don't have a goal you mentally can't stay focused so you have to have a goal you have to have something in sight yeah and so for some people get burned out maybe it's just an exercise in goal setting and like having something that is meaningful enough to you to stick to for a long time and to like have a date and to push for that like that's not me personally but if that's like i bet a lot of people need that kind of structure, need that kind of goal, need that kind of something giving them direction rather than just going in. Mm-hmm. Cause for you, it's Olympic lifting. It's yeah. your, it's your numbers, it's your weights. Mm-hmm. And for like, and I feel like Olympic lifting, the, the strength and the numbers in Olympic lifting are a hundred percent of plateau and technique. Oh yeah. And it's, it gets so frustrating sometimes. Like you'll see like world-class Olympic weightlifters, people are in the Olympics They'll be training for two, three years, and maybe their total goes up by two kilos, three kilos, something like that. It is there gets to a point in time where you reach very, very closely to your genetic potential, which you could basically call a plateau. But genetically, I hate to say it, there is a point in time where you're gonna max out. Oh sure. Now we're always okay. trying to reach to that. Oh potential. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like, and that's for anything. Yeah. Like, if, like some people will just never be lean. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, this just won't okay. be the case. Some people will never sense. be that big. Some people will never be that strong. Like, mm-hmm. you, you you can't beat your genetics. Yeah. You you can't do it. Well, 
I mean, you, get, you can get into you drug can use stick and stick a couple needles <laughs> in yourself. Yeah, you can get into that. But yeah, at some point, like if you're not a very lean person, you probably will just never be that lean. And if you're not a very big person, you're never going to be bigger than another guy. And so it's like, not only for me, is it realistic goal setting, but like understanding who you are as an individual also. But I also think there's a pretty big difference between understanding your genetic potential and then using your genetics as an excuse. Well, for well, sure. It's like, I won't be able to squat this because my genetics is like, ah, like, you can try. Yeah, like, you can you try can, still. You can work on it. Yeah, you can definitely work on it. But yes, you do have a genetic potential, but you should not use that as a crutch for maintaining or hitting a plateau and saying like, oh, I'm just like, this is my genetic potential right here. Oh, it's a, it's a roadblock. Right. Maybe. You'll find a way to get through it. Let's go back and look at your programming. Exactly. Let's look at your nutrition and let's look at everything else. Yeah. Um, for me, I guess like I hit, well, just recently, like I tapped my deadlift out mm-hmm. and I was like, I, all I wanted to do was get 15 more pounds. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. And so I just went back to the drawing board and like reprogrammed. Like I was saying earlier, with, with my volume, like I'll do, so currently, like, so I hit a 600 pound deadlift and then I couldn't do it again. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it again. I couldn't do it again. It pissed me off because yeah. I wanted to do it again really bad. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do 615. Like that's, I'm not going to look at 600 anymore. I'm look at 615. Mm-hmm. So I went back and every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like I do two reps, increase load, mm-hmm. two reps, increase load, two reps, increase load. And then singles, one rep, one rep, one rep. Okay. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I'm hitting six sets of deadlifts every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I've got 18 sets Mm -hmm. and I'm currently working up to about 85 to 90% so that I can have a lot of time spent with heavy loads so I can work on technique at heavy loads. Mm -hmm. I finally did hit 615 doing that. So for me, it was very much programming. Mm -hmm. And just like really focusing on that one thing. My yeah. squat got horrible. Yeah. My squat dropped like crazy. Jeez. And so now I'm like, okay, I peaked this. Mm-hmm. Now I guess my next goal is working on my squat. And going back to like, again, maximum recover- recoverable volume mm-hmm. over the course of a week, focusing on that one thing. Yeah. Which does make sense. I mean, I'm, I'm basically the exact opposite. My example would be probably from last year. Uh, I never like I never was really that strong, and then again that you're came still in. not that strong. I'm still not that strong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I am a much stronger than what I used to be. Uh, all I wanted after I graduated college, when I finally stopped doing chest freaking three days a week or three times a week, <laughs> every high like, school every, guy in yes, the world, exactly. I was like, you know what? I've never been able to break four hundred on squat, and the time I finally broke four hundred five, I was like, that's great. Finally, it was like, what's the next step? It was like, yeah, we'll try 425. I did probably about two, three months worth of training. I was like, three months, 405, 20-pound jump. Like, that's that's not out of the ballpark. Like, that is very possible. And I just couldn't do it because I stuck on the same program, kept the same nutrition. I got the same amount of sleep, which then again, that's completely different. Like, well, I want as, a trainer, too, but... as a trainer, you get X amount of hours that you – absolutely can sleep and then your first session at 5 a.m. Like, yeah. You better have your ass up and be there. But uh, all I did was I upped my calories. I went into – I transitioned into accommodating resistance and I matched that as well with sub-maximal load, max velocity. Okay, uh, so I you changed three power things. output. Yeah, I went power output, changed three things, and I went from 405 to 430 – within the span of probably another two and a half, three months. Damn. So it made a fairly decent jump. The problem was I stuck with the same idea of my program. All I did was I increased my percentages just a little bit. But well, I didn't change my nutrition. I didn't change my sleep schedule. And well, I, you said you've, you've changed into like a power output focus. Exactly, yeah. So you had uh, like increased velocity on your concentric phase. Mm-hmm. And that transferred to more, or I guess increased poundage in your back squat yes and so you could calculate probably similar power outputs yes. so you went for the power output I, I basically it went from a absolute strength phase to an actual power strength phase right and the difference between the two is subtle but is also fairly large at the same time it's well, it was, you're working it you long. drove a different stimulus exactly long enough mm-hmm. to create a difference in strength yes in the back squat specifically mm-hmm. yeah so it was programming 
Exactly. That and nutrition, because I started shoving food in my face. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. And there's so many people that can't gain weight. Like, yeah. We can talk about that too, but just eat more. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, not, it's not this crazy difficult thing. Like, no, just eat I've, more. Currently, I've got a client of mine. He's, he's about 17 years old, and uh, he's about five probably eight, five, seven, somewhere in there, 120 pounds. He's like, what should I be eating? I don't say, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so everything. Eat, eat everything. You're 17 years old. Your metabolism's through the freaking roof right now. Your workouts are fairly intense. Just eat. I had... It's super important to have like balance in your nutrition too, because you need adequate amounts of protein. Well, I, I did so. tell him 50%, 30%, like the 50, 30, 20 on his breakdowns of carbs, proteins, mm-hmm. I just said eat a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're eating this much protein and just yeah. kill it on carbs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. seriously. Go nuts. Like, yeah. I, I had one kid, high school football player. He was a safety. He was tiny. He was really good. Mm-hmm. Couldn't gain weight, couldn't gain weight, couldn't gain weight. So I told him, I'm not joking. Keep eating everything you're eating and then eat a frozen pizza before you go to bed every single night. Mm. <laughs> um, they love that. Not, <laughs> he got strong. Like we he are very healthy. Like, he got strong. Oh no. <laughs> well, but the thing is, like he just needed to gain weight mm-hmm. so he could make he could make that transition to D one, and he needed to put on like twenty pounds. Like kid couldn't gain weight. Yeah. Well, he gained weight and like he got way stronger. <laughs> like he kept his ability. Fucking frozen pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> just frozen pizzas every night before you go to bed. Oh, man. But the same that same point is like, if you want something bad enough, like do it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it weight loss, weight gain, strength, whatever. Like, do you really want it that bad? So is your plateau mm-hmm. in like, do you have a good program or do you have good sleep or like, do you want something bad enough to do it? A lot of people too, and this is going back to the average Joe. They there's so many different diets. There's so many different approaches. There's so oh, there's so much bullshit out there. There's there's just so much information that nobody knows what is right or what is wrong. It's like don't eat late at night or yeah, like carbs past six. That was like a big thing for a while. Yeah, there's so everything low fat. There's so much, and whenever I would work with somebody with weight loss, they would they would just get like. Analysis by or paralysis by analysis. <laughs> paralysis by analysis. They would analyze so much that they would just paralyze, or they would change their diet every single week. Oh yeah, it's not working. And so change you it. can't. You, like, you can't have to get give something progress. long enough to give you it a to chance it to do something. Like you have to. Let and it. every diet is the same. It's, it's all, all caloric restriction. Caloric mm. deficit. That's it. It's every all single... caloric deficit. Yeah. It's just. Some has different content. Intermittent you fasting. You literally it... eat McDonald's for every single meal, and as long as you're in a caloric deficit, you'll lose weight. Do you yeah. remember? I had a professor at K State, Craig Harms, Dr. Craig Harms. He's the guy who initially did. Did you guys hear about this? The Hostess diet. He ate nothing but Hostess cakes what? and burritos. <laughs> this I'm is not like joking. my diet. <laughs> he, lo- he lost like forty pounds. Really. Because he yeah. tried to show mm-hmm. that was the whole point was every one of these diets is simply caloric restriction. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, keto does it by completely removing one macronutrient. Yeah. Intermittent fasting does it by removing twelve hours of time that you're able mm-hmm. to eat. Like every one of these diets is simply reducing how much you're eating. Mm-hmm. And like people don't for some reason see that like oh well the research shows i'm like shut up you're just eating less which is fine and so he he did this he i'm not joking had nothing but hostess cakes and like little mini bags of doritos and he he drink like a protein shake a day to like get an adequate amount of protein he lost like 40 pounds his blood triglycerides were atrocious like his his measures of health were horrible but he lost like 40 pounds yeah and so he was like it's not, he's like, just eat less. Yeah. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he struggled with how oh he felt like crazy. My, my favorite is when they're maybe a hundred pounds overweight and they're like, I don't think I'm eating enough. <laughs> no. I think you've I think been eating, eating enough for 20 enough. years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, 
again. But again, it's uh, average people versus athletes. You train athletes a lot differently, and Mm. and those things apply to athletes. They can eat, like, straight-up garbage disposals, Mm. and they lose weight. Like, Mm -hmm. they can just eat anything they want. And again, there's that genetic thing, too. Like, a lot of people, and like you said, there's the hormone struggle. A lot of people... Like, especially, I feel like women have really told bad information about hormone stuff. So, have you ever seen, like, what the average or what the healthy level for, like, thyroid function is? Like, if you look at someone with, like, a Hashimoto's disorder, or you go in and do blood work for, like, a healthy thyroid. Say that word again. Hashimoto syndrome. Explain your it's a It's a thyroid condition. Yeah, help me out. But, like, if you look at... Anything in the medical world, like say one to a hundred is healthy range. Well, you're at three. So you're within healthy range. I'm like, no, that's insanely low. It's still within good range. And so a ton of women have got blood checked or had thyroid checked and they're within the healthy range. Mm -hmm. No, you're still really, really low. And so like when we can look at, especially I feel like women have testosterone issues, thyroid issues. Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like they get really, really bad information about like their healthy level and that controls everything. I want to piggyback off of that and say that, just bring up the uh, BMI. Oh Uh, yeah. Bullshit that is. Oh, I'm chronically obese. Why are doctors still Still using that? that. I don't understand. I, I explained this to my own mother. She's a nurse at a hospital over here. Locally, I don't want to name drop or anything, but, but uh, I told her, I was like, yeah, in accordance to BMI, like, I'm obese for my age and my weight and my height. Yeah. She's like, that's impossible. And no. I pulled it up. I pulled up my BMI. I said I was obese, and I'm 6'1", like, right at 200 right about now, but it does not calculate your lean mass and everything like no. that. And she's like, holy crap, like, are you serious? I was like, yes. Yeah. Like, this scale is bullshit. Why do we still use it? It's It works on like an epidemiological level, like if you look at a massive gathering, like if you look at the state of Kansas mm. and we all have an obese BMI, we're probably not all these like mega jacked. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. like it works on a, a large population level, but on an individual level, it's completely worthless. Like mm. you're obese, I'm six foot two forty. Like mm-hmm. I should die tomorrow. If you look at like, yeah, exactly. if you look at like my BMI, yeah. like it's atrocious. No, I am not massively unhealthy. It just doesn't take into an account where that weight comes from, mm-hmm. and so and that's everything just in medicine. Body composition. It's, yeah, it doesn't consider body composition, and that's everything in medical. Like normal ranges are from really high to really low, and if you're within there, you're healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that. That might be okay from a health perspective, but it does not explain this ridiculously low-functioning metabolism. It's still healthy. It's still within normal range. Mm-hmm. But it's low. Like, you can bring it up through pharmacological processes or whatever you want to do, and you're still healthy, mm-hmm. but now all of a sudden you don't have this thyroid problem that's hindering you from a body fat reduction. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, that's really important because when we get into, like, health, wellness, metabolic disorders, insulin sensitivities... You can't just control diet all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you are stuck for other reasons. Then we got into, like, you talked about sleep. Yeah. And stress. Mm-hmm. And, like, all these things. Like, it's not just working out and eating, right? It's finding all of these things. And so, again, like, introspection. Like, taking a look at your life and understand, okay, what has to change to break whatever plateau you're hitting. Mm-hmm. For me, a lot of times it's sleep. I need yeah. more sleep. And uh, I couldn't agree more. Like, you saw me when we were still working together. For anybody who doesn't know, when I was working in Overland Park and living in Atchison, I probably averaged about maybe three and a half, four hours of sleep a night. Every Friday, was, I don't know how you walk in a lot. Oh my God. I would have clients look at me and ask me like, are you okay? I'll be like, why? What are you talking about? I feel fine. It's like the bags under my eyes would be down the freaking tip of my nose. Yeah. Yeah, trainer, it's hard, man. It's it, long yeah. hours. You have to really love it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If you're not a hundred percent passionate about it. Like, exactly. There's no way you make it work. But because of that, like the composition of my body was changing. No. I was eating fairly healthy. Like everybody hated it. So I was eating fish for almost every meal. <laughs> you're stumped. The whole stuck the whole place. <laughs> yep, but the problem was is it is didn't matter. My cortisol levels were probably through the freaking roof. I was working out super intensely. I felt like crap all the time and stressed out. I hit too much, things. sleeping too little. Uh, exactly, and I hit a huge plateau because of it. And once I finally 
moved into the new place I'm at now. I started sleeping way more because I moved down into Mission, which is like an hour closer. I was getting about six hours of sleep a night. My squat skyrocketed. I've lost a bunch of body fat percentage, and I was like, shit, all I needed was more sleep. You need more sleep? Yep. It's crazy how that works. Like, how many, have you ever worked with a lawyer? Yeah. Dude, they're, they, they're, they straight up don't change. Mm-hmm. You can't change them because they're they're, their job is so stressful. Yep. And they're just cortisol's through the roof, and they're, they're always stressed out. They never sleep enough. They will talk about their cases mm-hmm. the entire time because they can't think about anything else. Yep. Like, your job could be affecting your health. Yep. Your financial status could be affecting your health. Mm-hmm. Like, take a look at these things from a health and wellness perspective. From If you're hitting a plateau and figure out, like, what has to change to make a physical change. Mm-hmm. I think finances are a huge one for people. Yeah. I'd say lawyers and bartenders. Bartenders? Bartenders. I have a I have a girl that's working with me for working on two years now, and she started making her biggest jump once she got promoted to manager because she'd get to sleep more. She was in charge of her schedule. Right. And she's lost 30 pounds since then. But when that's she crazy. would come in, she'd go to bed at probably 3 a.m. and then wake up at 6.30 to go oh, for God. our 7 a.m. session. I know and she would walk into the door, and I'd just look at her and like, God bless you. Like, I don't understand. I don't know how you keep going. In. I don't know how you do it. I, I couldn't be able to do that. I was a bartender and, and in school. And I was, I, I didn't have a problem losing weight or retaining weight. It doesn't mean that it, it's not possible, but it's such an active job. You're on your feet. Oh, yeah. Well, and you're probably such somebody who job. stays relatively lean all the time without trying that hard. Yeah. So you genetically have a predisposition to staying pretty little. Whereas like for me to lose weight is really hard. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm much more predisposed to like being larger. And so like losing weight for me is extremely difficult. But that's just like understanding again, like we can talk about ectomeso and endomorphic mm-hmm. body types and insulin sensitivities, but like if you're pretty little, you're probably gonna stay pretty little. Yeah. If you're pretty big, you're probably going to stay pretty big. And, like, there's benefits to those different types of body types. Mm -hmm. But, like, to beat yourself up about not being able to change that, like, Mm -hmm. it's not possible. Mm -hmm. So, again. Yeah. Lighten up. Yeah. Chill. (laughs) Chill. Be happy with what you have and be realistic in your goal setting. But it's, yeah, again, there's hormones. Again, yeah. back to back to hormone sensitivity. And it, it is different for everyone. And, like, finding what works best for you would be the most important part. Because how many people you come in is like, I want arms like Arnold. I was like, yeah, you should just be Arnold. Be born in Austria in freaking whatever year he was. And just be say. him. Like, hold yourself to a standard that is based on you. Right. Not based off somebody else. You want your you arms. never be. Exactly. I always will, wonder. Yeah, I always think. That people set goals for, there's a way deeper meaning behind these goals. You have to figure out why do you want to look like this? If somebody says they want to be fit, you have to ask them, well, why? What is the definition of fitness to you? Exactly. And again, yeah, why? Mm -hmm. Because there is a deep seated reason for someone wanting something. And a lot of time, it's probably an insecurity. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I mean, probably most of the time, especially for the women I've worked with, I don't know about you, but most women are very insecure about something. I'm sure a lot of men are too. I just can't get it out of them yeah. as well as I can. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of insecurities and it's God, the shit that I hate, like the visualization mm-hmm. that we live around constantly is like driving people's health decisions. And it's like, that sucks. Cause it is. And here we go again. I will talk about the weirdest stuff on here. on this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, it, it goes, so in the movie Eat, Pray, Love, Julia Roberts is like, have you ever been naked in front of somebody and they've turned you down? Ooh. No. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, what you look like ultimately does not matter. No. It is, mm-hmm. it's completely your perception of what you think you should look like. And where is yeah. this coming from? Where is your perception of your ideal body image. Yeah, that's a great point. And you're right, you're right. You said it. What you look like does not matter. Doesn't. You are your own harshest mm-hmm. critic. If you're making decisions based on your wellness, you're probably going to be successful long term. Mm-hmm. If you're making decisions based on your appearance, 
you're probably gonna struggle. Yeah. Because how mental is that? And when are and you satisfied who, at that point as well? Right. right. Yeah. And anyone who fires up an insecurity in you by talking down to you, calling you names, they're a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has, Get after it. It has <laughs> nothing to do with you. No. It has everything to do with them and their ego. And it. Sometimes I just want to. Shake them. Shake them. Be like, Going you are up. beautiful. Yeah. But I. I, I just have always had a hard time hearing people, and especially females, uh, talk about their insecurities. And I'm like, why? You're beautiful. Your be- your body is beautiful. That's my thing, too, is like, I said, I don't know who said this. I heard this. But there was a line, and it was like, when you can close your eyes and still see how pretty somebody is, mm-hmm. then they're focused on the right things. Right, if all you see is this visualization and all you're chasing is this aesthetic, you're probably gonna get in your own head and it's gonna be really unhealthy for you. Mm-hmm. Like make your decisions, make your fitness decisions on wellness, not aesthetic. Yeah. Because that's just I'm gonna feeling better. Feeling better, yes. Having more focus. Yeah. I say Start almost every week Mental like health I train people to make it easier for them to play with their kids longer. Mm-hmm. Like or to get up off the floor. Without yeah. pain. Without pain. Especially as you age. Right. We can take care of your joints and we can take care of your heart. We can take care of your wellness and we can make you really sturdy and last a really long time. But if you start worrying about your appearance, you're going to start too much volume, poor exercise selections. Mm. You're chasing this aesthetic that is not important. And so, yeah, I think you nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah, I have gotten away from working with people with weight loss uh, for another reason than whenever I shifted. It, it's really funny, and I like to say this story a lot. I was a personal trainer, and I had a ton of weight loss clients. And they would, especially a new client, so not somebody who has like established a fitness routine yet, they would cancel last minute all the time. They hated coming. And then whenever I switched, whenever I switched to Pilates, nobody canceled. Everyone came in like, oh, I needed this today. And it was such a shift that I'm like, this is so good for people. You, because you people, thought, you felt you were doing more good for more people. People looked forward to coming and relaxing and being out, like not having control and doing something that felt good to them versus doing something because they want to look better. So it, there wasn't a deep meaning for whenever right. for it weight was, loss, there's, there's not a deep meaning really. If it's a shallow goal, if it's a you're shallow not going to stick to it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think that's the beauty of like myself. I have the pleasure of working with a lot of power lifters and I freaking love it because being a power lifter, you, you kind of get this idea in your mind. Like I'm fat, but I'm strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But with that, like, exactly. (laughs) If somebody comes in and they had a bad day, they'd say about the same thing, but for a completely different reason. It's not very relaxing, but it's like, I like to think that I'm like most of my clients. I like to throw stuff around when I get pissed off throughout the day, and it's 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 a therapy session, exactly. But uh, and that's the beauty of I think that reverts back to your style of coaching as well, (laughs) Um, and how your clients actually respond to that style of coaching. Because I've got a lot of people that listen to metal and like to move heavy weight. Like, that's my clientele base most of the time. Yeah. And your clientele base might be fairly similar as well in terms I'm, of I'm, how. I've got way more, like, rehab-style yes, yes. folks. I mean, like, they're probably all But same thing. When, yeah. I, when I coach making your knee function better, when I coach making your shoulder function better, or coach making you more stable athlete, they never want to miss if I coached, hey, we need to get your weight down, or like you're really focused on what you look like, they will miss sessions mm-hmm. and they will have mental insecurities. And like that drives really unstable mentalities. And I, I hate living in that world. It's, it's, it'll I mess do. you up. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. But yeah, when you coach for a better reason, they keep coming back. Mm-hmm. And now you have a chance to really make their body better. And so, like, again, introspection like self-realization like Mm -hmm. what are you chasing 
is that the right thing to be chasing? Are you plateauing because you maybe don't have the healthiest goal and you're tired of chasing that and you're tired of being let down by that? Like what? Like get past your plateau by like really doing some thinking. Like is this important? Should I be changing my program? Like am I getting enough sleep? Like look at your life, decide if you have a goal worth chasing and what are you, are you doing this for the right reasons? You'll get through that plateau. Mm. Or if you're bored, just change it up. up. Like you oh, did. Yes, you sir. went into yeah. Pilates and have have loved that. Like you took off with that. Mm-hmm. When you were a personal trainer, you probably started burning out on that. And so you switched modalities and it's been really good for you. Yeah. I think it's, and this is a really unfortunate part of it as well, is like nearly monotony. Nearly monotonous at points yeah. in time. Like whenever you're sticking with a program that you're seeing, you look at it for the first four to five weeks of it and you're like, damn, this just it's a lot of volume. You know I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna do a high volume leg workout, I'm gonna leave, it's done. And I'll have clients that come in, they'll just be like, I'll be honest with you, I'm not very motivated today. I'll say, Welcome to the freaking show. Like <laughs> well, there's dumb. times when I work out that I'm not motivated. Most of the time. I Most of the time, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Are we done yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's understand again, like nearly coming down to brushing your teeth. Like I know I need to work out. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna change. It's going to get better. I just need to be able to grind through it. Yep. Knowing the difference between that and I'm doing the same thing and it's not helping, that's a very thin line. And it's very tough to walk that line and understand, okay, am I actually getting better? Because I'm waiting, or am I not getting better because I'm waiting? Well, and it's different for us, too, because we are very much the minority in the world. The people who will continue to go work out all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, that's really not how people exist. Like, yeah. if, if a client is, if you're really struggling to go work out, like, change what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, get back to enjoying it. Like, go Pilates, or go, shit, I'm not really a huge supporter of all things group fitness, but, like, if that's the only thing that's going to get oh. you to continue going back to the gym mm-hmm. all the time, like okay, let's look at this vehicle as a way to re-motivate you mm-hmm. and, like, get through that. But I think you, you should probably explain why you're not an enthusiast of group so fitness. So, <laughs> group fitness is an amazing thing for motivation, um, but there's so much... Like, to make everybody do the same stuff, mm-hmm. it might be really good exercise selections for two people in that room, mm-hmm. and you're probably causing damage because we didn't... For me, everything's assessment. And so, like, if you don't have a 55-degree upward rotation in your shoulder blade, I'm not going to let you overhead press. Mm-hmm. I have to figure out why that's not happening right. If you've got – if you can't use your feet correctly and your knees shake left and right, we're probably not going to do some squatting. Like, I'm probably not going to jump you. I'm probably not going to take you through this bullshit boot camp crap where you're, like, flipping tires and sprinting back and forth. Like, mm-hmm. good job. We made your heart better while thrashing your knees. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I am not a big supporter of those formats because I have to do – so much assessment before deciding what exercise selections are going to be good or bad. Mm-hmm. And those are just like, rah, rah, jump in, grab some stuff, throw mm-hmm. it around a bunch of times. Like Orange Theory, I can't freaking stand Orange Theory. Because mm-hmm. it's like, just grab some shit, jump around, burn a thousand calories, you're healthier. No. I just want to go. That group fitness is really good for athletes who already have a good base. If you've already got perfect movement, movement. Mm-hmm. go do whatever you want. But that's the problem but is almost It's a lot of new people. And that's the toughest part about being like a, a strength coach as well. And the unfortunate thing is there's not a lot of strength coaches that I know of that take that assessment process to like check your knees, check your ankles, make sure you got proper mobility or I say proper mobility to your standards of your body. They say, all right, here's a bar with 300 pounds, squat it. If you don't, you don't play Oh, that's my thing. Is everything's yeah. assessment. Exactly. Everything's assessment. Mm-hmm. Everything's assessment. You cannot work somebody out without doing assessment. Yeah. No. You are not doing them any favors. I'm gonna say I don't. And it honestly, the first session kind of pisses a lot of people oh, off. Oh, it does. They expect to work out exactly. But then once you go through this really good assessment and like you check spinal mobilities and you check knee movement patterns and you check shoulder movement patterns, they start to realize like, oh, okay, like now I get why we did this. Because I'm like, no overhead pressing. Maybe ever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Until we can get the shoulder to work right. But then you go into a group fitness class and like you're so limited in what you can do. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you're going to squat. I guarantee you're going to press on the overhead. Every single time. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. And like those are two things I don't have a majority of people doing. Yeah. And so that's that's my rant on that. But Orange Theory. 
all of these sellable programs right now, like, what was that, like, um, Sean T. crap? Like, what was he? I, it was just, like, jump around a whole bunch and, like, uh, get on the floor yeah. and, like, all the P90X crap. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, all this stuff is just, like, if you can say, this is a great workout for everybody, you're a freaking liar. Yeah, like, nobody should be doing most of this crap. Mm-hmm. It has to be individualized. Yeah. But there is something to... It gets people there. It gets them working out. Mm-hmm. They enjoy it. It's, I mean, it, that, there's something there. There's, we don't, obviously. It goes, there doesn't have to be a clinical approach to fitness. But a lot of people don't realize that there is. Well, true. You know? Mm-hmm. So... It's good like, we it's can bad. help you. We, we're more than just a workout. We can actually help your shoulder move better. Well, it's the thing. Is you're, everyone's got damages to some level. Maybe it's minor. Maybe it's major. Maybe it's chronic. Maybe it's brand new. But you got... I mean, if those things don't get fixed, exercise is making that worse. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. I think I don't know anybody who's got flawless movement patterns or doesn't lack some kind of imbalance. Nobody. Not that I know of. Not that, not that I've ever met. Yeah, not that I've ever worked with. Shoot, I've got major imbalances in left around eighty ductors and hamstrings. Mm-hmm. And, and next year, my imbalances will be different. Exactly. Yeah, I just got to work on fixing start, them. Be yeah. the exact opposite direction. It could be. Yeah, <laughs> I get guys, overcorrect. Do yeah. you guys do reassessments with your clients All every the time. so often? Yeah, constantly. How often do you do them? Um, probably every four weeks. Nice. I'm going to say about every month is about the same, yeah. I need to get back into doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's huge. Because, well, in a lot of times, like, I'll use the exercise as an assessment. Like, if you all of a sudden have worse movement left versus right, okay, let's stop. Let's go assess, like, individual pieces and see what the problem is and then start addressing that over the next four weeks. And so, like, I almost assess as I'm coaching but yeah, to put them back on the table and do mobility stability assessments is almost every four weeks. Nice. Yeah, good question. <laughs> um, what else we got? Do have habits of successful people? So it's nearly getting out to the point of you're hitting plateaus and strength, conditioning, health overall is like, and you kind of brought it up that it does translate into your life overall as well. But going back to uh, successful people and having that idea of having a goal in your fitness and also having it in your life, I think translates or correlates very well. It's like if you have a set plan, you have a set goal whenever it comes to your programming, like wanting to hit an X amount of weight on your bench press, which I hate bench press anyway, but I will, I refuse to coach bench press. Exactly. And I, outside of powerlifters, like I'm not really having anybody nope. do it. But if you have a set goal for that movement, it helps to be able to translate that into your everyday life. Like, how much do I want to make this year? What do I need to do to do that? What do I need to change? uh, There is a book called The One Thing, and it's all about habits, creating healthy habits Mm -hmm. and goal setting. And once you start hitting one goal, then Mm -hmm. it makes you feel really good and really confident that you can keep achieving these goals. Oh, yeah. There's there's tons of books. The Power of Habit is an extremely Mm -hmm. good book. Habits of Highly Successful People is an extremely good book. Um, if, uh, have you ever listened to uh, MF CEO by Andy Frisella? No. I was going to say, I, I recommend it just because I've heard one really thing good. I've got from it was my, I call it my AM power list, is every single thing I do in the morning before I ever walk out the door. And it's, you know, simple as brush my teeth, make my bed, eat breakfast, whatever else I got to do, set my one major goal for the day, and then I walk out the door. And I will not walk out of my front door until I set that, until I do all of those things. You don't realize, or I can say probably a lot of people don't realize the importance of just making your bed. Because that is your first goal of the day. You do that. Loser. It's a freaking nerd. Oprah, make so many bed. plateaus. Oprah does it. Oprah doesn't make her bed. Exactly. Is she successful? She's okay. Oh, it works for me, man. <laughs> She's moderately okay, successful. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, when it when it comes down to something like that, uh, make that powerless, fall that powerless. It's everything I do before I walk out the door, and I've that's my first major goal of the day. And then I go off to the second one, train all my sessions, 
eat my meals even. Well, that's, if you want to consider that yeah. a goal, it's a goal. That's a goal. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to eat enough. It's shit, especially as a trainer. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like when you look at plateaus, I'm willing to bet the people who get up at like 10 o'clock every day, mm-hmm. kind of work a part-time job, yeah, like live at mom and dad's house, like they probably have health and wellness plateaus. Oh, yeah. Like if you're the person who gets up at 5 o'clock every day, makes a checklist, like has their routine... Like, you're probably someone who's going to get through whatever plateau you're hitting there, better. There's also really... A lot of people expect everything to be comfortable. And it's there's a lot of benefit into leading into things that are really uncomfortable to do. Like, waking up at 5 a.m. Doing something that you don't want to do. And I think yeah. that's how I, my whole life tied into my bodybuilding prep. Where I, I didn't want to do it a whole lot. You know, there were days where I, I didn't want to follow my diet, but I kept mm-hmm. doing it and it just fed into other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I was more likely to not procrastinate, not procrastinate. Mm-hmm. I mean, growth. <laughs> you said it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, growth happens outside of your comfort zone. Like yeah. I had a little challenge that I did for myself for about probably two months and I stole it from Andy Frisella as well. It's part of the hard 75. But all it was is, as part of that AM powerless, you wake up early in the morning, maybe about an hour before you normally do, you can take a cold shower. Mm-hmm. That's yep. it. Yep. That, was it. that was all I put in there. It's like, the rest of the day, there is not shit that can touch you. <laughs> because nothing is worse than a cold shower at 4 a.m. Well, that's like, Tony Robbins. I mean, yeah. Tony Robbins gets up at 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. He, like, meditates for, like, 20 minutes. And then he's got this, like, little, like the size of just his body, mm-hmm. like, pool in his backyard of cold water. Ugh. And he gets up, meditates, jumps into that 60-degree water, mm. and then, boom, like, he's going for the day. Yeah. Every single day. Yep. And so that's kind of the part of that cold shower. And you keep mm-hmm. saying this, like, AM power list. Mm-hmm. There's a book. I I used to make everybody I hired read, read this book. I may have made you read this book a long time ago. I was going to say, back, um, back in the, the day. The Checklist Manifesto. Maybe I didn't make you read this. I don't know if you did. I can't read well enough anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't read. You keep saying you read all these studies. You can't read. <laughs> um, but the it was written by the former president of the World Health Organization. And he's the one who designed the pre-operation checklist. Mm-hmm. So the checklist of things that has to be done before a surgical procedure starts. The World Health Organization called it the single most innovative piece of medical technology in history. It was simply a checklist because it kept you organized to get things done correctly. Mm -hmm. And so before that checklist, like the people dying from infections, the people who had like the wrong body part operated on. So people who get like knee replacements on the wrong side. What? And like different issues. And the first item on that checklist was what's everyone operating with you's name. Like you have to know your staff. Mm -hmm. But it, it just, the whole point is like, the power of a checklist is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so if, if the only thing I did every single day was to get up and make my checklist before I get going, I know that I will have a successful day because mm-hmm. I've got it. It's all right there. This is everything I need to do. Mm-hmm. And as you start checking things off that list, it feels really good. Mm-hmm. Like you get this little dopamine surge to cross this item off your checklist. Mm-hmm. There's been times that I do something and I write it on the checklist just to check it off. Yeah. And I'm like, why did I do that? I'm like, that was already done. Like, it's I don't know why like, I did that. You're weird. But I just <laughs> wanted to, like, check it off. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. <laughs> but, yeah, like you said, like, get up, make a checklist. Just those habits can probably get you out of whatever plateau you're stuck in. Mm-hmm. And it's just because that does transfer to everything else you're doing. Super good book. You should read it. I was gonna say Check Fist Manifesto. Check Fist Manifesto. <laughs> There's a lot of words. Like, too many syllables, man. I only get so many a day. Checklist manifesto. There you go. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Better end it now before Amy, Amy says preformance. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say manifesto. No. We're just educated idiots. We're just educated idiots. <laughs> I don't English good. I no. just know the body pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I don't know. <laughs> 
It's not post-formance. <laughs> it's not post-formance. <laughs> it's pre-formance. What's the big one? Hypertrophy. Hypertrophy. Oh, God. <laughs> Hypertrophy. Yeah. We just say words that nobody else can say and yeah. everyone thinks we're smart. Yeah. <laughs> we just make shit up there. Yeah. <laughs> so let, you... let us teach you how to be successful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe don't listen to your advice anymore. Maybe we should skip that topic. I can't read. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So maybe take our advice, maybe don't. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you guys have anything else? I think that's it. All right. Introspection, like self analysis. Mm -hmm. What is your goal? Is it worth it? Are you is taking the right, the right steps? Reasons. Is it yes. for the right reasons? Yes. That's the big one. Is it for the right reasons? Because you'll stick to it. Right? Introspection. Yeah. I think that is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Really take a look in the mirror. All right. All right. That's it. That's it. Let's see if I can get this turned off now.